Luke 6, 1 through 19. <clears throat> Father, we pray for your word. Help us, Lord, to apply what we hear today, we pray in Jesus' name. Now, what happened on the second Sabbath after the first, that he went through the grain fields, and his disciples plucked the head of the grain and ate them, rubbing them in their hands. That's Luke 6, 1 through 19, verse 2. And some of the Pharisees said to them, Why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But Jesus answered said, and said, Have you not ever read this, what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he went into the house of God and took and ate the showbread and also gave some to those who were with him, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And he said to them, the son of man is also Lord of the Sabbath. And, and going to verse six, now it happened on the Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught and a man was there whose right hand was withered. The scribes and the Pharisees watched him closely whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might accuse, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand there. And he arose and stood. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to destroy it? And when he had looked around at them, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Hmm. Verse 12, now it came to pass in those days that when he went out to the mountain to pray, and he continued praying all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose 12, whom he also named apostles, Simon, whom also named Peter and Andrew, his brother James and John, Philip, Matholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, Aphias, Simeon, a Simon called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed Jesus. Hmm. Also betrayed Jesus. That's a bad reputation. That follow you everywhere you go, man. You can't shake that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it stands out that he portrayed him. And ain't no, ain't no question about it. Jesus heals multitudes all the time, and people followed him. And it said in verse 18, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirit, they were healed, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him, and he healed them all. So in Luke 6, 1, it came to pass, it happened on the Sabbath that uh, after the first, and he went through the grain fields, and his disciples plucked heads of grain and ate, rubbing them in his hand. Why, was it, why were they so upset because they would do something like that? Well, they did it 
they shed the husk of the grain so they could eat the grain raw. Uh, it was quite common back in those days. They was going through the grain field. You know, they got hungry. They would eat the grain. And some of the Pharisees said to them, what are you, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? What is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day? You know, the Sabbath means rest, right? Pharisees considered plucking grain on the Sabbath as work. It was forbidden. He says, and it was plural. He says, why do you, talking about his disciples, because Jesus was with them and Jesus was responsible for them. So Jesus was responsible for their actions. But the religious leaders of that day developed a long list of what to do and what not to do. What is acceptable on the Sabbath day and what not acceptable. And a lot of those rules they made up. But Jesus answered and said to him, have you not read? He knew he had. Have you not read this? What David did when he was hungry? He and all those who was with him. They were, they were thoroughly immersed in the scripture. He knew they had read it. But just because you read it doesn't mean that you really understand what it's really saying. He said, oh, have you not read? Of course they had read it, what David did. But although they had read it, they, they missed the meaning. Because this was mentioned in 1 Samuel 21, 6. How David and his men got hungry and they plucked the grain. How he went into the house of God and took and ate the showbread and also gave some to those who were with him. Which was not lawful for anyone to eat but the, but the priest to eat. And he said to them, the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Always, always alert. These guys came, the scribes and the Pharisees came to criticize him. Uh, to see what he was going to do on the Sabbath day. They said to eat grain, to rub it in your hands, to rub the husks off so you could eat it was considered work. Jesus said we only did what David did. Well, when the disciple was criticized for working on the Sabbath, Jesus, Jesus defending them here. They are charging them guys for working on the Sabbath day. But when you was going through a field back in those days, Deuteronomy 23, 24 and 25, if you were going through a field and if you got hungry, it was lawful for you to take the grain and eat the grain as long as you couldn't carry the grain with you. You couldn't use a sickle. Deuteronomy 23, verse 24 and 25. When you come into your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat your fill of grapes at your pleasure, but you shall not put any in your container. So you could go to the neighbor's field, you could eat it, but you couldn't carry any away from you. And when you come into your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the heads with your hand, but you shall not use a sickle on your neighbor's grain. So they really didn't do anything wrong because Deuteronomy said if you went to your neighbor's yard and you got hungry and you needed strength, you could eat it, but you just couldn't use a sickle. You couldn't carry anything with you. So they wasn't stealing. It was lawful for a Jew to eat from the neighbor's vineyard, you know, in harvest time. They were hungry, but they said, no, you guys are working on the Sabbath day because you guys are rubbing the grain in your hand and, and you guys are harvesting. You guys are wintering and you guys are preparing food. The, par the Pharisees saw they considered plucking grain on the Sabbath was just going against the scripture, was going against the Sabbath. 
But Jesus used the word of God, 1 Samuel 21. He says the showbread was only for the high priest to eat. He said, you guys knew what David did. He went in there and he ate the showbread, which was unlawful for anybody to eat except the high priest. It was legal for people to pluck grain back in those days. But you just couldn't carry it with them. But the Pharisees came with a critical spirit to criticize. They said that Jesus was violating their tradition of the elders. Jesus was very good at violating tradition. The disciples were not guilty of stealing, neither they were breaking the Sabbath. They had been violating the Pharisees' rules that they had made up, but they were not breaking any divine law at all. Because he said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. When Jesus made that statement, he was claiming to be Jehovah God because it was the Lord who established the Sabbath. If Jesus is indeed Lord of the Sabbath, then he is free to do on the Sabbath whatever he pleases. Amen. The Pharisees did not miss this point. You can be sure of that. God is more, what, what he's trying to get across is God is more concerned about meeting human needs than he is about protecting a religious rule or trying to protect a ritual or trying to protect a tradition. God is more concerned about human needs. The guys were hungry. They, they ate off the grain. He said Amen. that bothered some people. Jesus bothered a lot of people. David's men were hungry. They ate that they could receive strength so they could go on to serve God. Human needs always take priority over a religious tradition. He is Lord of the Sabbath. And the king is not, the king of kings is not restricted to any tradition or to any holiday or any rule or any ritual. When Jesus said that he was Lord over the Sabbath, he meant that he had the authority to overrule, he had the authority to overrule the Pharisees' tradition because he is the creator and the creator always is greater than the creation. Mark 2.27, uh, you haven't got to turn to it, but Mark 2.27 said, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. In other words, God instituted the Sabbath to benefit man by giving him a rest from his labor and be a blessing to him. The Pharisees turned it into a burden. The Pharisees turned their Sabbath day into a burden and made a man a slave to the myriads of regulations that they had made up. Jesus said he was the Lord of the Sabbath. You know, in John 9, Jesus upset some people because Jesus healed on the Sabbath day. You, you can read it in John 9. They, they got upset with Jesus. They brought up this blind man, Jesus, John 9, 13 through 16. You just, you can turn or you can just listen. They brought this man to Jesus on, on the Sabbath. And, and uh, Jesus got clay and opened the man's eyes. And the Pharisees, uh, you know, he, the man got healed. But the Pharisees got upset. They said, this man can't be of God. This man can't be of God because 
he does not keep the Sabbath. Jesus could have healed before the Sabbath, and Jesus could have healed after the Sabbath, but Jesus chose to heal on the Sabbath to upset the religious leaders, to let them know their traditions is not, any more, is not as important as meeting a human need. He told them in Matthew chapter 12, he said, if any of you guys have a sheep and a sheep fall into a, a pit, won't you lift them out on the Sabbath day? Won't you do that? Yeah, sure they would. When Jesus healed this man, they plotted to kill him. Jesus deliberately violated the Sabbath traditions on several occasions. And he taught the people that mere external laws could never save them or make them holy. Well, that upset some people. The religious leader tried to be holy by keeping external rules, external regulation, external laws, external tradition and legalism, and church membership can't make a person holy. And the law could not make them right with God. So here's a man, he gets healed on the Sabbath, they get, they get upset. You, you know, they should have said, you know, praise the Lord, man, we don't care what day it is, a man got healed. We don't care what day it is, but you know, in verse 11, let's look at it. It says, healing on the Sabbath again. Verse 6, now it happened on, a, on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogues and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. The right hand only mentioned by Luke because Luke is the doctor, right? Luke specifies that it was a man's right hand and it was withered. And it may, and it may be that they purposely tried to set Jesus up by bringing this man in there in the synagogue to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Do you feel withered and paralyzed and struggling? You know, some people today feel withered right there, paralyzed, and they're struggling. When Jesus comes into the, to the meeting place, he always drawn toward the one who is hurting the most. When Jesus walked into a church or a synagogue, he always looked around for the one that is hurting the most. Jesus looked and he saw this man and this man had a withered hand. Hmm. This is so unlike us sometimes. We tend to seek out people who are doing good we, we tend sometimes to seek out people who are happy, who the spiritual ones. But he always drawn to the one who has the greatest need. That's what I practice as a leader when I come to church. I'm always trying to be drawn to the one with the greatest need. Always. Well, so, verse 7, so the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath. They don't mind him healing, but just don't do it on the Sabbath. That they might, what, bring accusation against him. And they watched closely, not to gain insight, but to accuse him. They sat in the front seat so they can go to, they wanted to get a good view, and they watched him closely. But verse 80 said, but he knew their thoughts. As John said, he knows what's in man. He knew their thoughts. He said to them, he said to the man who had the withered hand, 
arise and stand here. He told a man to come out there and all these religious leaders are watching. And he told a man to arise and come stand right there so they could sin. I want you religious leaders to see this. Hey, wizard man, come stand right here, right here. So they all can see you. Stand right here. The man could have argued and said, I'm not going to go out there, man. Can't you see I got a withered hand? I'm not going to go out there and let them people, what if I don't get healed? But he says here in this verse, he obeyed. He arose and he stood. <laughs> Jesus purposely did this miracle openly before all to see as if to demonstrate his contempt for the Pharisees, the man-made regulation. The man obeyed. You always get blessed when you obey. Just like he told the guys last week, throw down your catch, throw down your nest for a catch. Launch out into the deep for a catch. Peter said, we've been here all night, we ain't caught nothing. Well, Jesus knew that. Jesus knew he had been there all night. You ain't got to tell him something he already knows. He knew that we have taught all night and we caught nothing. I, I didn't ask you that. I asked you to catch, throw the net down. That's what I asked you to do. And the Bible says so when, they, when they had done this, when they had obeyed, what happened? We saw it last week. There were so many fish came into the net. The nets began to break. When you obey, things open up, man. When you obey, things open. The doors that swing open when you obey. If they hadn't cast that net down, they never would have caught nothing. He told his man, he told his man, stand right there so they can see you. And in verse 9, Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on this Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save a life or to destroy it? There was no answer. He asked him a question. Hey, I'm a, hey you religious guys, I'm going to ask you guys a question. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? Nobody, nobody answered. Jesus chose to do this. It didn't matter what they said he was going to do anyway, but he got them on the spot. Because what his point is saying, there's never a wrong day. There is never a wrong day to do something good. Whether it's the Sabbath or not, it's never a wrong day to do anything good. Jesus is acting out of compassion to heal the man with the withered hand. His opponents, however, finding themselves in a dilemma, they refused to answer. They were silenced. He was giving them a chance to answer, and no one answered. And in verse 10, and he looked around them. He looked around at them. Now, Mark's gospel say he looked around in anger. Mark said when he had looked around with anger, being grieved with the hardness of heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched out his hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as the other. So verse 10, he's, Jesus looked around. He's he waiting for an answer. Nobody said he looks around. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so. He obeyed. And his hand was restored as the other. Hmm. We see that Jesus did. Mark said he looked around with anger. So we do see that Jesus did get angry, didn't he? with the money changers when he overthrew the tables. My house would be called a house of God, but you've made it a den of thieves. Amen. Don't tell me Jesus didn't get angry. Uh, you know, Bible, Bible never said don't ever get angry. 
It said, be swift, swift to listen, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. James said that. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Slow to get angry. When Jesus told to stretch out his hand, the man could have said, I'm paralyzed. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go out. But when God calls a person to do something, he always enables a person to do it. The moment he decided to obey, he was able. The moment he decided to obey, he was able to obey. After he obeyed, his hands were restored as the other. The miracle came. The miracle came and not before. The miracle came after he obeyed and not before. What has God told you to do today? The miracle will come after you obey, not before. Before their very eyes, it was visible and miracle. Uh, a healing had taken place, but they got upset because the man got healed on the Sabbath. Instead of rejoicing that the man was healed, they get upset because the man gets healed. That goes to show you that just because people see a miracle doesn't mean that they will believe. They saw the miracle. They still didn't believe it. Verse 11, but when they were filled with rage, they discussed one another what they might do to Jesus. They, they, they discussed in a plan. This is a cold-hearted plan how they can destroy Jesus. They were angry because he had healed on the Sabbath. Even a, a mighty miracle in front of their eyes cannot change a hardened heart. By miracles, a man only, Jesus only spoke, he spoke and the man was healed. He didn't do any work, he just spoke it. Pharisees knew that it was the Lord's practice in the synagogue. They were watching him. They wanted to get evidence against him. They didn't rejoice because the man was healed. They got upset. If they were really from God, they would have been rejoicing that the man got healed. But Jesus went away. He went deliberately, went against their tradition, and they got upset. Jesus did not do it in private. He told the man to stand right there. I want them to see you. He did it openly. Every man in the synagogue would rescue a sheep. Jesus said, well, a man is more important than a sheep. But the miracle illustrates the power of God. The Pharisee was filled with fury, angry. It didn't do them any good to go to church that Sunday morning. Because they was angry the man got healed. They should have stayed at home. Luke 6, 11, but they were filled with rage and discussed among themselves how they're going to gonna try to destroy Jesus now. They got angry because they healed on the Sabbath. When a person is healed, we should always rejoice. We don't care if it's Sabbath or when it is. But Jesus had a way of meeting human needs in spite of what day it was. Amen. If you got a need this morning, he could meet your need this morning. You haven't got to wait till next Sunday. Jesus is alive 24-7 at your disposal, waiting for you to come, waiting for you to come. And he's going to do some things in these last days through us. Jesus now in verse 12, he's calling his 12 
apostles. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Before every important decision, Jesus would take time off and he would get by himself and he would pray. I hope you do that. This time, Jesus was preparing, he was preparing to choose his inner circle, the 12 apostles. And these 12 apostles were just ordinary people just like us. Can you believe God just uses ordinary people like us? God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies to call. Will you say yes? Will you say send me? I'll go. He went all night to pray. Make sure that when you're going to make an important decision, you also spend time in prayer asking God for his direction and guidance. There were men who started a church, these 12. In verse 13, it says, When it was day, he called his disciples to him, to himself, and from them he chose 12, whom he also named apostles. Apostle is one sent out, right? A disciple is a follower. Apostle is one sent out. Simon, who was also named Peter, Andrew, and his brother James, and John, Philip, Alamu. He called these guys. Matthew, Thomas, James, Aphius. He called these guys. He called Simon the Zealot. He called him the Zealot because this person hated Rome, and he hated the political activists. He hated them. So they called him Simon the Zealot. He didn't like Rome at all. And Jesus, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He said he became, it didn't say, he, he, it didn't say Jesus made him a traitor. Judas became a traitor. He chose a path himself. It was his choice. He became, and God honored his choice. He had everybody fooled except Jesus. But Jesus spent the whole night choosing these men, ordinary men, just like you and me. He prayed for strength, wisdom to the Father. People have different personalities. We got to understand that there's diversity in the body of Christ and nobody is the same. And the Bible said we shouldn't compare ourselves among ourselves because nobody's the same. He called these guys to go out and represent him as he's called us today to go out into the world and represent him. There were 12 apostles because there were 12 tribes of Israel. They were scattered. These guys took the gospel everywhere. It was them that started the church. These men lived with Jesus and learned from him. They were going to take his place after he went to the cross. In the list, Peter's always first and Judas is always last. Always. He was a betrayer. Jesus knew he would, would betray him. But he still had free will. Jesus said the one. Jesus said the one. He said, I, I truly say to you, somebody at this table is going to betray me. And they start looking around. So who is it? Who is it? 
He says the one that's going to dip his hand in the dish with me, he's the one that's going to betray me. And it happened that Judas betrayed him. Some people think that Judas was saved. I don't teach it. I don't think he ever was saved. I don't think he ever was saved. I think that he chose that path. He betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. His choice, and he said once he, once he betrayed Jesus, he felt so bad, he, he tried to give the money back, and, and he threw it on the temple floor, and, and they said, we don't want it, man. You, you, you see that yourself. We don't want it. So Judas goes out and he hangs himself. No, I don't think he was ever saved. Some people say he was, and he, he lost his way some kind of way, and he, but I don't believe that. I don't think if you're truly saved, I don't think you can ever lose it. I think if you're born again, I don't think you can become unborn. I think if you're a child of God, I don't think you can unbe a child of God. I think if you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, I don't think you can become unsealed. No, he was never saved. A lot of people, some people argue with me on that. But they have, the, they have the right to be wrong. I'll give them that. No, he wasn't saved. But Jesus said, heaven I chose 12 of you guys and that one of you guys are devil. That's what Jesus said. Jesus knew it. But he had free will to choose. Everybody's got free will. You have free will even today to choose. You can serve... You know, the Bible said, Joshua 24, 15, choose you this day who you will serve. You, you got free will to choose what, but if you serve Christ, you ain't going to be wrong. You ain't going to be, you're not going to be sorry. But choose, everybody has to make decisions. Everybody has choices to make. And God will, he will honor your choice and God will honor your decision, whatever it is. You know, to talk about the, prodigal son when he left home and came back he still was a son he never ceased to be a son you will never cease to be a child of God ever now if you the Lord who the Lord loves he chastens but that's how you know that you're a child of God you just can't get away with things you used to get away with but God got you he's got you in the palm of his hands you ain't got to worry about it you're going to, you just as saved now as you were 20 years ago, and you just as saved now, you're going to be 100 years from now. You can't get any more righteous than, than you are right now. No, he was a thief and he held the bag because he was a treasurer, and everybody trusted him because he was dealing with the money. You got to trust a man if you're dealing with the money. And he had everybody fooled, but Jesus says, Somebody at this table is going to betray me. He got around to Judas. Judas said, is it I? Jesus said, you said it. You said it. He could have repented right then and turned around. Boom, got forgiven and went to heaven. Because he was found out. He could have repented right then and got saved. Gospel of John, when they came to get Jesus, Jesus telling Judas, Friend, what you do, do quickly. I'm scratching my head. What do you mean calling him friend? 
And I got to studying that. He was giving Judas a last chance. He was giving Judas a last chance to turn this thing around because he knew that Jesus knew what he was going to do and he could have stopped it right then and he could have repented, but he didn't do that. I pray that all of us today will hope and pray that God would help us to stay the path this morning. Man, that's going to start out and that's going to look back. You're on the right track. You know where you're headed. You know who you are. No matter what goes on in the world, your name is written, man. And, and, God, and God is not going to erase that name out of the book of life because no one, nobody is able to plug him or pluck you out of his hands. We should rejoice with that this morning. We should be thankful. And we do rejoice with that this morning. So let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your many blessings. And Father, we pray that you would help us to rejoice. Lord, we pray that you would help us to continue to serve you, Father. Father,